So as we think about um, the first Sunday of Advent, and again the focus is on longing, and as we started out this morning with our call to worship, um, David kind of gave us an example of what it means to him, this longing deep within the heart. And he says it's like a person who is out in the desert. His soul and his body longs after God. Uh, that desperate, that needy, that intensity of seeking. He says it again in Psalm 42, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So I ask us, uh, what's going on in your life and in your walk with the Lord? Is there that hunger, that longing to know Him in a deeper, closer, more intimate way? You know, this is, in the Old Testament, we see it um, very, very often. We, we see people like Abraham, who's so hungry to know God and to walk with Him that he's willing to leave everything and go to a place he's not even sure where he's going. But the intensity of the call upon his life and the intensity to, to want to know the Lord was strong enough that he abandoned everything that he knew, all the security and everything else behind, and just got up and went. Um, it wasn't his own initiative. It was God calling him. And the longings of the heart are those which God places there. And we, as we go through the scriptures, we see this over and over again. I'll give you just a couple. Um, can you imagine Moses? And he's got this tremendous revelation from God. And God has told him about a promised land that he has prepared for him. And so... In order to get there, he's got to go back to Egypt. And the, the longing and the intensity of the call is so great, he goes at great personal risk. And um, through all the trials and tribulation, tribulations, over 40 years, he's on this journey going and seeking. And, but because of a particular sin, a disobedience in his life, God said, you'll never set foot in it. But I'll let you see it. Can you imagine Moses? He's 120 years old, still healthy, climbs up on top of the mountain, and in the distance, he gets a glimpse of it. The longing of the heart. So it's this kind of thing that we're talking about. Um, David, when he was in exile from Saul, out in the desert, and he just... He had some faithful men around him, men that were committed to God and to him personally. And David said, oh, if somebody could just bring me some of the sweet, sweet, cool waters from Bethlehem. Well, Philistines were camped all around Bethlehem. Two of David's men, because of their love for David, risked their lives and at night went into the middle of this Philistine camp and pulled them out a jug of water for him and got back if they had been caught they would have been they would have been dead and they brought it to David and they said receive this gift from us this is our commitment to you and David said 
this is your life. I can't receive this. And he poured it out to God as a drink offering. So are we willing to take the deepest longings of our heart and pour them out as an offering of sacrifice to God? Say, Lord, there it is. We see David another time. And he's, because of a great sin of his son Absalom, his son is in exile. And it says that David longed to go to his son Absalom. But because of the principle, because a stand had been taken, and because of pride, he did not go. Years. Now I wonder if he had if maybe the subsequent history of Absalom may have been different. The longing was there. Later on when Absalom is killed as he's trying to kill his father um, David cries out Oh my son Absalom, Absalom my son, my son would that I had died instead of you. Oh my son Absalom, Absalom would it have been different if he had told him that those years earlier. So, you know, many of us, one of the things that technology does for us, it's, it's supposed to make life, life simpler, and in many ways it does, and we thank God for it, and it, uh, it makes communication, it makes information easier, but not necessarily communication. And because it's so present with us we can never get away from it because everywhere we go we've got the cell phone with us or some other form of, of uh, media and so what happens is we find ourselves becoming more and more active doing more and more things becoming more and more busy and we never really stop and take notice of what's going on deep within our heart but those deep longings are there in every one of us and if we do not acknowledge them, they will express themselves in other ways. And they do. And we don't understand it. And we don't know what's happening or why. But it's because these are things that are deep down basic within us. And we have never acknowledged them or taken the time to say, okay, this is where I'm at. For one thing, it's painful. And it's threatening. And we don't want to go there. So we just push it aside well in the season of Advent it's an opportunity for us to, to take some time alone with God with no noise to get aside by yourself for an extended period of time and say okay what's deep within me and it's a great thing because there's a, a longing that is telling us, it motivates us, it, it uh, affects how we act, how we think, how we behave towards other people and what we think about ourselves. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. 
Now, the scripture doesn't talk about tree of life very often, maybe about five, six times in all Old and New Testaments. And so he's telling us something here. Hope that deferred, these longings that are not acknowledged and dealt with, make the heart sick. But if those longings are faced, and if they are fulfilled, it becomes a source, a fountain of life for us. The psalmist says, My soul is consumed with longing for your, your rules, your just decrees at all times. His soul is consumed, he says. So we, we think about this, and these are things in the Old Testament. We think about the people that were in exile in Babylon for 70 years. And you can read some of the Psalms. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and we hung our harps on the trees and our soul wept for Jerusalem. And this longing for home in exile in a foreign land in a foreign culture. And there's a longing for home deep within us. Ecclesiastes said, God has placed eternity in your heart so that we might fear him and know him. And that's true. Eternity's in there if we will stop and look at it and hear what it has to say to us. The thing about those longings is, Proverb tells us well, uh, no one knows the heart except the person. You can't really understand the pain or the loss or the longing of another person because it's personal. So in that context, um, God writes through the prophet Habakkuk and he told him about a promise that was coming and he says, the vision awaits its appointed time. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now, one of the things that uh, is counterintuitive for us is the longings of the heart. It's not an instant gratification thing. And that's what we're used to. That's what we're trained from birth up. You know, instant food, uh, instant credit, instant all this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, if you're not... If you sit down, you don't have a glass of water and a cup of coffee, in five minutes it's free, you know, you know that kind of thing. Um, and we're, we're geared toward that, and God works on a different timetable. And there are things that are worth waiting for. And if we try to, to jump ahead of those things, we cheapen it, and it becomes an ugly thing. And when we get it, when we're grasping at it, and we take it for ourselves, we find out it's destructive. So there are good things for us to be longing for as well, as the psalmist said and as the book of Proverbs says. Not all of our longings are good. In, uh, on the road to, uh, from Egypt to Jerusalem, the people were longing for meat. They're out in the desert. Now they're not starving to death. They aren't. They have their flocks and herds. If they were that hungry... Kill a goat. <laughs> but they were longing for meat. And they were grumbling and complaining about it. God was feeding them miraculously. There were a miracle taking place every day. He was providing for them. They didn't earn it. They didn't, all they had to do was go out and pick it up. The food was there. 
wasn't good enough. And so God performed a miracle, filled the place with quail. They began putting them out. But they were so driven by this longing, some of them picked up the meat and began to eat it. It was still raw. And God's anger blazed against them. And there was a plague and killed thousands. Uh, because it was the wrong kind of longing for the wrong kinds of things. And so we control our longings. We can direct them. And we can channel them into the proper ways. So as we get to the New Testament, we find this is what the birth of Christ is all about. You've got all of these prophecies of the Old Testament. And it begins in Genesis 3, right after the, the fall in the garden. And from that point on, there is this longing and intensity for God to send the one who's going to make things right for us because we cannot do it ourselves. And so you've got all these years of prophecy and God saying he's coming, he's coming. The things that you're going through now is all a preparation for you so that when he comes you will know who he is and you'll understand what it is that he's doing, the significance of what he's done. And so you've got these years and years of anticipation and you've got people coming up claiming to be him, but they aren't. The motive is wrong. The methods are wrong. Everything is wrong. But they gather large groups of people around them and most of them die quickly. And yet, when John the Baptist comes, first prophet in 400 years, genuine prophet of God in 400 years. And so the level of anticipation and all of these longings are stirring within us, within the people. And so that's what's going on here. Psalm 107 verse 9 says that God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So if you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, he says God satisfies that. He's going to honor that longing. And so you've got this looking forward um, Asking God to deal with these kinds of things. So I want us to take just a few minutes here this morning. And I want us to look deep within. And there's a precedent for this. And I want you to look at it in this way. First of all, we need to identify the longings of our heart. It's not our wants, our wishes, not that kind of thing. God's not Santa Claus. We're talking about the, the deep longings of the soul, the thing that is motivating you, the thing that is driving you. See if you can identify it. There'll only be one or two. Um, and as we do that before the Lord... I want you to think about um, the invitation that Jesus gives. There was a young man named Solomon. Young man, he was 40 years old when he became king. God appeared for it, to him in a dream. And he said, God says to, to Solomon, what do you want me to give to you? Now, this is God 
What's the deepest longing of your heart? As a newly anointed king over a country, what do you want? Solomon made, made the right choice. He could have asked for a lot of things. He said, since you've blessed me with this position of authority, give me wisdom to know how to handle it and how to deal with your people. So what is the longing of your heart? Is it for a wayward son or daughter? Um, is it for a broken relationship somewhere? Is it for a physical need? Is it for... Um, a healing that will take place between people? Is it a longing to have a deeper, closer walk with the Lord, more personal? What is the longing of your heart today? Jesus was on his way to be crucified, and he went through Jericho, which was not that far away from Jerusalem. But he's on his way. He knows the time is right. He's on his way. He knows what's coming. And as he's going through Jericho, he hears a man crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he wasn't saying it quietly. He's a crowd of people, large crowd of people following Jesus. And he's over here sitting in the dirt and he's crying out to be heard above the crowd. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's a blind man. Everybody's trying to tell him to shut up, to be quiet. Don't bother this guy. This is an important man here. And he's still crying out. He's pushing people. He's crying out, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And he said, bring him here. And now the people that were telling him to shut up, now they're grabbing him and dragging him to Jesus. <laughs> and here he is. He's standing before him. He's a beggar. Um, he left his cloak over there, which means he's a desperate man. And he comes and he's standing before Jesus and Jesus says to him, like he says to many of the people, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Isn't it obvious? Maybe. But oftentimes, the things that people think are our needs is not the deepest longing of our heart. And Jesus is not assuming anything. He knows, but he wants to hear it from Bartimaeus he knows the deepest longings of your heart too but he needs to hear it from you because we have to acknowledge it and own it and say Lord is it some sin in the past that we need forgiving that we are struggling with receiving forgiveness ourselves what is it but we need to voice it and say it to God and so that's why Jesus has come. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So let's take a few minutes in the presence of the Lord. And if you know what yours is, say it out. You don't have to say it loud. This is a private, personal thing. But say the words to yourself as we wait before the Lord.
And as we bring them before the Lord, the Lord will be asking us, what do you want me to do for you? And now will you take those longings and pour them out in the presence of the Lord as a sacrifice to him? Jesus is the prayer that we offer this Advent season. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9, we're thinking about the birth of Christ. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And that's the prayer of our heart this season. Now, I think this can be a thing that uh, you may not have had time to really get into this yourself. I challenge us to take this as an invitation from the Lord to deal with this um, and to allow him to continue to speak to us. There are things in the New Testament, uh, sometimes we think some of the longings will not, we won't have longings in heaven, but we will. Uh, You know, in heaven... Uh, Peter talks about it. He talks about the things about uh, salvation and what it brings, uh, what it costs God to bring salvation and how God's love and His grace and mercy comes down in the way in which it did in the form of His servant, His Son, Jesus Christ, and how Jesus came in the way that He came. And Peter says, even angels long to look into these things. They don't understand. God's love and his mercy and they long to look into that so he satisfies the longing soul one other statement in Psalm 38 if God continues to work with you and deal with you on on issues along those lines. David says, O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. And the Lord knows all the longings of our hearts. And so he's drawing us into his presence and into his grace. So as we said earlier, David talks about hungering and thirsting after God. And he talks about how it's become for him 
The, the closest way that he can express it is to tie it into a physical longing. He's talking about a thirst of a man in a desert. And he's saying, you know, out in the desert. And David's talking from personal experience here. Um, he's running in the desert because people are trying to kill him. And people that he loved have betrayed him. And he is running for his life in the desert. And if you've, if you've ever been to Israel, um, it's a hot, dry place down there in, in the desert of Judah. Uh, places look like the moon. I mean, it is, it's rough, desolate place. And he says, it's like a man there. He says, my soul is longing for God in that way. And so the good news is that we have an invitation from Jesus. Um, he stands up in the temple and he says, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. They're pouring out the water as a drink offering. It's a high and sacred time in the temple. It's like our communion service. Everything's quiet. And Jesus stands up and he shouts out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He's not talking about water. And he goes on, John says, what he's talking about is the Holy Spirit who will become a river, a source of living water. It's what he's talked to the woman at the well about springs of living water from within. And so it's, it's something that wells up because of the presence of Jesus Christ. He uses the same word Jesus does when he talks about uh, the Last Supper in the Gospel of Luke. And they're gathered together there in the upper room and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I have earnestly desired, I have longed to eat this meal with you. They don't understand the significance of it. They know about the Passover, and that's what they, they've known that since they were old enough to know anything. But he didn't understand the significance of that event. Jesus takes ordinary things, things that are so familiar to us that we miss what's going on around it and the depth of the meanings behind it. And he touches it, and it becomes a life-giving, transformational thing for us, a burning bush. What's, you know, there's bushes in the, in the desert out there. And sometimes there's a spontaneous combustion that takes place out there. But this one's different. Because number one, it's not consumed. No burnout for God. And secondly, there's a presence. And then there's a voice. And so God is inviting us out of the ordinary to see what God does with ordinary people like us. And if we're thirsty, if we're hungering to know him, he says, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it's going to be open. If you ask, God's going to give it. So that's the longings of the heart that he's talking about. And Jesus said, I've longed to be with you today. He wants us and if we want him, we will find. So Jesus understood that to make that a possibility is going to mean his death. The disciples, even though he had told them, didn't grasp it yet. And Jesus knew the time is now. It's not some distant future. The time is now. And for us today, the time is now. 
And that's what the crucifixion, that's what the baby in the manger is all about. He came for this very reason, for this time in your life and mine. And so Jesus, after he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body, it's broken for you. After supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, drink. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we do it in remembrance of him. And we acknowledge his presence and his grace and his mercy. And what he's offering us, notice what he's offering them. He's offering them and us his very life. He becomes the tree of life for us. And so he says, Whoever drinks from the water I give will never thirst again. The water I give him will become a spring of water springing up, welling up into eternal life. So the Spirit And the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, whoever wishes, come take the free gift of the water of life. That's what he's offering for the longings of our soul this morning. Let's pray. Father, you who know our deepest longings, you who know us better then we know ourselves. Have mercy upon us, Lord. We pray for forgiveness and healing and wholeness. And we pray, Lord, that as we become honest with ourselves and look deep within, that we would receive you into that place. Come as light in our darkness. Come as water to our dryness. Come as fullness to our emptiness today. Through the blood of Christ, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.